Elizabeth Chapel, a lifelong entrepreneur who finally found my niche. After years of new ideas and jumping from business to business, I figured out how to turn a craft into a successful career. In 2016, I started a monthly subscription box for quilters. That little startup has grown into a thriving, multiple six-figure business that I am so proud of. As a published author, designer of fabrics and patterns being sold throughout the world, my favorite thing to do is to teach others how to grow a career of their dreams. Each week you'll hear from me or from other guests who are creative entrepreneurs, so you can learn exactly what to do and what not to do to grow a career that's more rewarding and successful than you ever thought possible. If you're ready to turn your craft into a career that you love, I am so excited you're here. Welcome to the Craft to Career podcast. Welcome to the Craft to Career podcast. This week I have a guest who has such a cool thing going on. For you listeners who are interested in teaching in any way, online, virtual, in-person, at large functions, whatever it might be, this episode is for you. I had a friend reach out and say, you've really got to have this guest on the podcast. Thankfully, this person, Lyric, uh, she also reached out and we recorded an episode And I cannot wait for you to learn more about this very cool thing for educators. Before we jump to that, I'm going to read a review. If you have not left a review, please take a moment to go and leave a review. I don't run ads on my podcast. I love providing this free platform, having guests come for free, which is amazing and All of this is to help you grow your business. My one ask is that you take a moment and leave a review for the podcast. This will help you to have the podcast moving forward and help to bring more amazing guests onto the podcast. If you can pay that forward, that would be wonderful. Thank you so much. The reviews have just gone up right now. At the time of this recording, I'm at 184. And I would love to have even just one or two more. So if you have not left a review, please do. Exciting news. The Craft a Career podcast, I just found out, is ranked in the top 1% globally of podcasts. There's a few things that go into this, but one of those factors is the reviews. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for leaving reviews. And if you haven't yet, please take a moment to go do that. So let me read this review. It's from MN Quilter. I hope that's Minnesota Quilter since I'm a Minnesota person myself. The Minnesota Quilter says, sharing thought processes. Episode 119 was very helpful to me as a listener and hobby quilter. Elizabeth does an excellent job sharing her entrepreneurial thought processes. It's validating to me to be able to choose what I say yes to. I am just now learning to set my long range quilting goals and having the strength and conviction to be able to say no to outside requests that don't align with those goals. Thank you, Elizabeth, for continuing to share your experiences on your informative podcast, wishing you much success and support in your endeavors. Well, thank you, MN Quilter. We're going to say Minnesota, even though I'm not positive that's what it is. Thank you, Minnesota Quilter, for your review of the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Again, if you've not left a review, take just a moment to do that. And now let me introduce you to Lyric Kennard and the Academy for Virtual Teaching. 
Lyric, thank you so much for being here on the Craft to Career podcast. I would love for you to kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about the Academy for Virtual Teaching. It's such a pleasure to be here, Elizabeth. Thank you for inviting me. I started the Academy for Virtual Teaching about a year into the COVID shutdown. Um, A friend and I had started the Global Quilt Connection, which is a listing service where virtual teachers are connected with quilt guilds around the world who are looking for virtual programming. And in working with my colleagues, I realized they needed a little bit of technical help Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with the Zoom technology, with film technology. So um, I, because it's something I enjoy, I really love the tech and the technology behind um, teaching online, whether it's on-demand courses or live Zoom workshops. So I started the Academy basically to to help teachers up their game so that they can appear more professional, so that they can have um, more profitable businesses with virtual education as part of that. That is really, okay, tell me the name of the first one. It was Global Quilt Connection. Quilt Connection. And so I'm curious, the Global Quilt Connection, let's start there. Is that still up and running it is. It is. Right after right after COVID shut down everything, um, I'm a traveling quilt teacher. So I've traveled all over the world. And of course, me, all my colleagues, everything, our business is just hard cut, right? Everything stopped and nobody had any idea what was happening. Um, so a friend and I had both... Um, I had attended the Northern California Quilt Council's virtual Meet the Teacher. They usually have a live one every year where a bunch of teachers come and a bunch of guild reps come and it's speed dating, right? So they had put they had put one on um, virtually. And my friend Susan Blyweiss and I thought, eh, we could do that and it doesn't have to be just for California. So we invited a whole bunch of teachers that we knew who were capable and ready to teach online. And we spent a few weeks gathering as many emails for Quilt Guild representatives as we could. And we hosted a live Zoom event where the teachers had a few minutes each to introduce themselves and say, hey, this is where I am and who I am and what I teach. And here's my website and hire me. Right. And so we intended just to have that one Zoom meeting, but then more teachers came to us and said, wait, I'm on in, and more guilds came, and it just kind of exploded. So several years later, it's still going. We don't have the live Zoom events for the teachers anymore. We basically list them with links to their websites. Any quilt teacher who is um, tech-able can join, you know, as long as they can do a Zoom presentation or a Zoom live workshop or if they have on-demand courses available that the public can sign up for, we'll list them on our website. And we still send out letters. We have about uh, between eight and 10,000 guilds on our newsletter list. So we work really hard to put teachers in touch with the people who can hire them. And now instead of the Meet the Teacher event, we have a sampler platter event. So we invite several of our teachers to come and they're live on Zoom and then we stream that out via YouTube to quilters all around the world. 
And it's a live event. It happens twice a year over two days each time. So it's six hours of 15-minute demos. So it's a really, really good chance for teachers to get their names and their actual teaching skills in front of a lot of quilters. The quilt guilds will pay us for a ticket, and then we give them the link that they can share with their entire membership. So how does one like myself get on this? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have to join the Global Quilt Connection, and that's just a sign up and get listed and then when and pay and you have to actually read your emails Mm -hmm, to be sent mm -hmm. out (laughs) with the link to apply (laughs) right we so we uh, we ask the teachers to apply and then we curate a a good selection a good variety of demos for the quilters we try to provide something for everybody that's really cool and then is there a fee I mean is this a lucrative business thing for you Business-wise, so the behind-the-business scene, the teachers pay to be listed. The guilds do not pay anything to access the website. Um, The guilds pay for the sampler platter ticket. And it's, it's enough. It's enough to keep it going. It's not the most lucrative thing I do. But the sampler platter is the thing that keeps us going. We also have other things, um, the... We have we had Bell Brunner do a workshop for us for the Quilt Guilds a little while ago. We have a quarterly live roundtable for Guild representatives where we just all meet on Zoom and it's halfway moderated. We kind of we take questions ahead of time and if there's a, a general consensus on what the Guild representatives want to talk about, we'll guide the discussion in that direction. But it's a chance for the um, the people who do the same thing from all over the world to get ideas from each other. To I, This is like one of the only places that I know of where they can get together and brainstorm. The last one we had, they were talking about interesting fundraising ideas for the guilds. And then they were talking about what kind of free programming can we develop um, for our guild members? How can we bring in younger members? You know, so it's... Well, guilds around the world are so interesting. And of course, they're all volunteer run. So there's no standard operating procedure. So it's really, really interesting to hear them talk with each other and and share brilliant ideas. And, you know, there's always light bulbs going off all over the place in these meetings. They're like, oh, I had never thought of that. You know, so. Well, even me hearing, me hearing you talk about this, my wheels are going. I'm like, these are such cool ideas. Ah, so I love it. Right, right. And we charge them a really nominal fee to join that meeting. So yeah, those things. And then the Academy kind of grew out of the Global connect, global Quilt Connection. And it's, it's where we really support the teachers. The Global Quilt Connection is where we support guilds and, um, and quilters. And then... The academy is where we bring teachers in and support them so that they can better serve the guilds and the quilters that they love to teach. Which I was looking around on the website and it looks like there's a lot of great people who are involved in that. And it looks like there's meetings like Zoom meetings where you come. How does that look? Is there a facilitator? Is it here's the question we have for this month or what would that look like? The Academy's got a lot going on. It's a private membership. Um, I use the Mighty Networks platform, which is an amazing platform built around community, 
Um, it also can host online classes and all kinds of stuff, but it's the best I've seen for community interactions. So when you log in, it's kind of like Facebook without being yucky Facebook, right? So there's a feed, people have communications with each other, conversations. We have a monthly business topic. So we'll write an article and then have weekly prompts and discussions about whatever business topic has to do with virtual teaching. We have monthly guest seminars. It's a live meeting where we'll bring in somebody to talk about something that will help anybody using virtual teaching as part of their business model. We have, um, like this month, we have Elizabeth Townsend-Gard with the Quilt Army. She is a copyright professor at Tulane University. So she is going to come talk about copyright specifically relating to teaching in the quilt world um, or any of the craft world. The academy isn't just for quilters. We, we branch out with any kind of hands-on crafting kind of thing that you would teach. Um, we also have a, a guest coming in who is going to talk to us about having our workshops translated into a different language and the things to watch out for and how to make that happen so that you can reach a whole new audience with the offerings that you have. So the business discussions and the guest seminars, and then we have a monthly Zoom meeting for the teachers, basically the same as the Quilt Guild Roundtable, but this one's for teachers. And that's just an open discussion where people come and just kind of brainstorm. Sometimes we, you know, complain a little bit to each other <laughs> yes. in a safe space, right? People who like, get you. you would not believe yeah. what I had to deal with last week. <laughs> and we commiserate and comfort and, and support each other. So there is that in the free part of the Academy membership. We also have a monthly paid membership where we have ongoing um, workshops, that are more hands-on, that are more, let's do a thing, let's get it done. We've done things like rewriting your About Me page for your website. We have learned how to write a five-part email welcome sequence for people who sign up for your newsletter or create a lead magnet. Um, it just And then we record those and the whole library is available to anybody in the paid membership. And then we also have a masterclass that's just... A to Z, the very beginning to the end, everything you need to know if you want to build an online teaching business, mostly surrounded with what kind of equipment do you need? How do you use it? How do you film the certain kind of thing that you teach? How, what platforms do you put it on? How do you use Zoom? You know, just every part of that is involved. And that's a live run. Um, it has hundreds of pre-recorded tutorials that are very practical hands-on, and then live lessons and live coaching sessions each week. Very cool. So I'm going to ask this question, and I'm sure it's a conversation that happens, that has happened probably multiple times. Of course. What, how do people choose what they charge? There, there are several different things. So first of all, you have to decide what level you're at as a teacher, Right. There are people who have wide coverage, who've been doing this for years. And if you're a beginner, you're not going to charge the same thing they are. Number two, you research. And I don't call it researching your competition, research your colleagues. Understand what the going rates are 
out there in the quilt world. You don't want to undercharge because then you're undercutting the entire profession and you're cheating yourself. You'll be miserable. You'll know right yeah. away if you're not charging <laughs> yeah. enough because you will not be happy. Um, but I tell, like, I tell my quilters to go to the Global Quilt Connection website and click through all the links and with our teachers there, we strongly encourage them to post their prices on their website. Um, so anything that they can do to make it as easy as possible for somebody to hire them. There are some who don't put their prices on the website, especially our teachers who are not in the country. And there's a very good reason for that. For instance, the teachers from Pacifica, from New Zealand and Australia, when they teach in their home country, they get paid about a quarter of what they do if they teach in the States. So for them, it's just a different market. It's a completely different market. The guilds in those countries just don't pay. And the ones in the United States do. So so they do ask people to inquire because... They don't want their home country people not to hire them because they're too expensive and they don't want the U.S. guilds to not hire them or to think that they're going to get paid nothing much less than the going U.S. rate. Yeah. Right? So what would you say, uh, again, I realize there's a broad spectrum, but range like low end to high end of someone being a virtual guest for a guild for an hour? Okay, so if you're going to do an hour-long presentation, and I always tell people you are charging the same virtually as in person, right? Yeah, I like that. Because you're providing the same intellectual property. You're providing the same experience either way. The low end is usually around 350 mm, Okay. And the high end can, it runs around 550 600 and it can go higher for a very few of the rock stars mm -hmm. in the industry who can get away with that. There, There's only a couple that I know of. What makes but, someone a rock star? Now I'm intrigued by this. What, like, yeah, <laughs> what, what makes someone like that? High demand. Okay. I know, I know one of my friends who's, who's amazing. I mean, she's really amazing. She's done a lot of really interesting things, but the way she gets hired is she has all the guilds put their name in a hat. And on January 1st, she looks through them and says, okay, I want to go here and here and here. And she gets back to them and said, okay, I can come to yours. But you know what that does? The guilds then have to open, uh, they have to leave open a spot for the last minute. And she still gets hired and she charges a lot. Like well, um, a thousand a visit or? Hmm. About around then and I don't know if that's for her lectures or if that's for her workshops but I've I've always just been kind of in awe and, and like wow yeah I don't think I'd get hired at that <laughs> I am I've been doing this for decades yeah and I do travel around the world so I am definitely on the high end of the spectrum mm -hmm. I charge 850 for a six-hour workshop and 550 for a one-hour lecture okay and what do you teach I do pro um Different things. So I, almost all of my lectures are about um, being an artist as a quilter. My favorite one is the elements of art for every quilter. And we go through the basic alphabet of the visual language. We talk about texture, shape, line, color, and value, and how they are used and what they do in the visual language with gorgeous pictures of quilts and 
the whole point is to let them know they can use this and they can apply it to everything that they do and that they're already artists, whether they admit it or not. So it's a real, I'm your biggest fan and I'm your cheerleader and you're amazing kind of lecture. Um, I do have one that's, let me see. I have one about portraiture in textiles because that's one of the things I teach, but I, I don't just show my stuff. I show a wide, wide variety of how people different ways people create portraiture with textiles. Um, I have a wearable art participants fashion show. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I started sewing clothing long before I made quilts. And so the two kind of got put together and with my art career as well. So it's all mashed up. So I show a few of my pieces, but I love having the, the local people come show off the fun stuff they've made because you don't get the chance to to play around on a runway very often, right? right. No, I don't. <laughs> so those are, <laughs> right? Those are the things in my lectures, um, plus a few others. And then my quilting workshops are either design-based. So the elements of art, I have an abstract design class. I have a color theory class. And then they are surface design-based. So I teach um, block carving, screen printing, photo transfer, um, some embellishment. I love to do handwork and beading. So what don't you do? This is amazing. <laughs> I don't do a lot of patchwork. Really? Okay. <laughs> I don't do anything where you have to repeat the same thing over and over. I am like off the charts ADD. <laughs> and, and, and trying to repeat something over and over lasts about 30 seconds before my brain just fries and I go off, off, off the rails. So I'm very curious, especially for my listener who, and for me selfishly, but what makes a person interesting? Like what are some tips that you just see across the board to be the desirable teacher, to have people enjoy what you're doing, make sure you're doing blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, there's kind of two different things, one as a presenter or lecturer and one as a teacher. And I think one of the most important things, two important things is one, you have to love and adore what you do so much that you can't help telling everybody about it. And number two, you have to love the people that you serve. You really have to, um, you have to see their potential. You have to see how amazing they are and you have to understand kind of where they're coming from. Um, like I teach a lot of quilter quilter people, right? Many of whom in the in the more wise generations um, have been told that they're not an artist, right? You know, they had art teachers who, you know, kind of kicked them out of class or whatever, or parents who told them, you know, that's not any good. You know, so taking those people and helping um, open up the possibility of um, being creative is is one thing. Um, so those are really important. As far as um, being a presenter goes, you have to understand that you're being an actor. You are being, you are on stage and the primary reason you're there is really entertainment, right? So, you know, you, you have to, you have to turn it on. <laughs> you have to turn on that switch, whether you feel it or not. And then it's always really good to have something interesting to show, right? It really is. And I've seen a lot of people like lecture about themselves, 
you know, here's here's all the patterns I made. Here's all the things. And they're kind of interesting, but I find the the presenters who make it all about their audience to be much more engaging. Like um, I was at a presentation just a couple days ago and um, Christina Camelli, she's amazing. She was lovely. She did a, a lecture on long arm quilting or on quilting and she made it about them. She made it about the people. She had some of her students send her pictures. She put them on her iPad and she like chatted with them back and forth and said, what are you thinking about this quilt? What, what stands out to you? I mean, she went through a process of helping them pull out the designs that they might want to do on their quilts. And she was drawing them on the iPad as she went, you know, and it was, it was lovely and entertaining. And it was it was really nice, right? So she was interacting with the audience, and like my elements of art lecture, I'm it's I'm I'm trying to be as funny as possible, and I'm having the audience shout answers back to me all the time. So make sure you know, kind of make sure they're awake yep. <laughs> late at night through the thing. So it's entertainment, it's education, um, but I think if you don't love the people you're working with and love the thing you do enough that that's going to show. How would that look if you don't love, I mean, have you, well, obviously no names or anything, but have you been in a presentation where you're like, Oh, this has a weird vibe or something? Um, rarely because quilters are amazing people. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but I think you can tell like when a lecturer or a teacher is burnt out, Mm -hmm. um, and when they've had a hard day yeah, <laughs> and it's kind of, and, and quilters are amazing and lovely and we understand, right. When somebody's had a hard day. Um, and to be honest, there's been a few times when I've been at a lecture where the person is kind of more full of themselves than connecting with the audience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that's when I get weird vibes, but that might be just me. I mean, their work was actually interesting, but it, I don't know. That's, that's my thing. I get turned off with really big egos. Yes. Well, and it's really funny for me, like when I think of a famous quilting person, I'm like, let's be a little humble here. We're talking about quilting, right? Like it's not like we're at the Oscars or like getting a Nobel Peace Prize in front of the world, you know? So it just brings me a little bit of humility of like, everyone can be very famous in their own little sphere, but when you put it in regards to the world, it's very humbling, you know? Yeah. Well, it's a different industry, right? This is not the fine art industry where um, we're lecturing in front of collectors and museum curators. The quilting world is built on collaboration. It is built on generosity. And to be honest, it's a woman's world, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. We come from this sharing kind of community base. Um, So quilt guilds meet to share with each other. And when you are presenting to that audience, you are there to share. You know, it's not... I, I guess I shouldn't have said it's a performance. But it is in <laughs> but a way, you are, It is. It is. It really is. But it's not about right. You, right? It's about the community. Um, and, and there are other places where that's completely different, right? Mm-hmm. But the quilt world is about um, 
community. I've, I've never been to a quilt guild where they didn't have all kinds of charity projects going on. This is very interesting. I love, okay, my approach to quilting is through a business lens. And I definitely find in this industry, because it's highly female, you know, dominated. And I think given this, I hadn't, I don't know, I hadn't put this together. It came from this history of not a lot, right? You're bringing the fabric that you have. It's not, and charity and donation and, and very, so I think a lot of females in this industry really struggle with charging money or feeling like a value, you know, and even you saying, teaching these women, not on the business level, but as the quilters, you are an artist. You do have value that there's a lot of this, like, deprecation or like, oh, don't, no, don't put the spotlight on me. Don't know. I can't charge. I'm not. It's a very ingrained thing. It's an interesting dichotomy, is mm-hmm. it? Because there are, we are coming from the business side of things, but on the business side, we're coming to a community of collaboration and of generosity and both can be supported. You know, we as quilters, we are generous, so we support the business people who are making the wonderful things that make our hobby possible, right? Um, well, it's it like, here's an interesting thing. I was just at the Handcrafts and Hobbies Conference in Chicago a couple months ago, and it's a business-to-business trade show, right? And at many trade shows in other industries, you're walking around to different booths and there's four or five people doing the same thing and they're like trying to outshout each other. <laughs> they're competing, right? At this conference, time and again, it was people coming and saying, I think I do the same thing as you. We should collaborate. You know, let's figure out how we can work together. And it was such an energizing atmosphere. I had I had people coming to me saying, you know, you should talk to this person. And that person in between did not benefit in any way from anything I do or that person does. But they were like, oh, you two have complementary businesses. You should work together. And just it was such that was an, a specifically business environment, right? We're all trying to help our businesses be successful in whatever part of the industry we're in. But it was everybody helping everybody else, right? It was so, so yeah, you have to value yourself. And also one thing that I tell my teachers about charging is that you are, in order to build the kind of business that speaks to your soul, that really helps you, you have to understand why you're doing it. And money can be totally a big part of that. You know, we need money to eat and live and survive. Um, But why else? Why are you doing this? Why do you love this? What is the big reason behind what you're doing? And how do you build that in? And to find your people, you have to, your why has to be to serve them. And that service is a gift, not a free gift. It's, it's something valuable and they will pay you what it's worth to them right? And it's going to be worth a lot. And in order to find your people, you have to be authentic. You have to make a true connection that's not just salesy marketing, right? It's meeting all your new best friends, yep. you know, and, and working together and collaborating. And yes, there's money involved and that's good. Right. But I love that. I mean, it is so true to have your why, because money 
if that's your why, it's very shallow and it's really not going to carry you through, you know, but when you love what you do, I mean, you've talked on that a couple of times when you're passionate about it and you really care about your students or the person on the other end getting it, you know, that, that will drive you. That'll carry you through. Absolutely. I mean, and it's interesting because teachers, we, First, we love the thing we do, right, which is making things, mm-hmm. but then you start teaching and it takes time away from making yep. things. So if you don't love the teaching part, if you don't love the students, you're going to end up unhappy because you won't have enough time to make stuff. And I've like I started traveling and teaching when I had five kids at home. And the youngest was three. And I only would take a couple gigs a year and they would be close by, right? So I wasn't gone that much. And it slowly um, grew. And I've always taken limited gigs while my kids are home, right? Because I don't want to spend a lot of time. Although I do love going away. It was like right. vacation to go <laughs> and teach, right? I'm like, or do you want to go away? Yeah. I do want to go <laughs> yeah. away, but, you know, not, not full time, right? Yeah. I get to control my own schedule. So I've always taken limited gigs. Um, so, but there were still years where I never made a quilt because I was the only free time I had was teaching, you know, so I made little handwork pieces while I was on the airplane yep. <laughs> no. yeah. or while I'm waiting at the business meeting before my lecture at the quilt guild kind of thing. And you have to really decide if it's worth it to you. Do you love it that much that you're willing to give up some of your making time? And now I've given up some of my travel teaching time to serve my colleagues with the academy and that came about and has stayed because I, I truly found that teaching at quilt conferences is one of my favorite things because I get to hang out with other teachers and they are the best. They are my people. We get each other. Um, they're, they're business people who are generous and kind and collaborative. I mean, I've, I've had the most generous business mentors that you could possibly imagine who gave freely of their their time and their um, their business experience that saved me so much trouble and so much hassle with the advice that they gave, right? So they're my favorite people. They are the crowd that I love to serve most. They're who I'm, um, who I get really excited and really passionate. And it makes me so happy to see them, to see them build a business and to see it succeed, right? That gets me off even as much or more than making my own quilt, right? And it has to be that way or else you'll burn yourself out. Well, and it's true. I'm really happy that you talk about this collaboration because I mean, well, and I talk about this. So when I started, I offer this course on how to write and sell quilt patterns. And um, I mean, one of the biggest reasons is because I noticed this big difference in the industry where some people were so friendly, like, oh, here's where I get my patterns printed. Here's where I get my bags, da, 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 da. And other people held the information very close and they were like, well, but that's my competition. And I was like, I really appreciate the ones who are so freely sharing. And it ha- it didn't hurt their business. I think that mentality of like, but if they succeed, then my success is less, really doesn't, it's not accurate, you know? I mean, we just bring more people into the quilting world and express our individuality you know uh, my things are going to be different than your things because we're uniquely 
us. Um, right. And it's interesting, like in the, the virtual teaching masterclass, I'll have three people who all want to build quilting classes geared towards absolute beginners. And at the beginning, they're like, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a little intimidating, but each one of them has a different style. Each one of them has a different personality. Each one of them has a different way that they, they love what they do and they will find their people. And the thing that we also talk about there in the Academy is that, um, there is abundance in the universe. This is not scarcity. And when we're doing it virtually, we have the whole world. We have the entire world to work with. And, you know, even if you and the person, another person are teaching the same thing, you might have two classes. The other person has two online workshops and your people take your two. And then, you know, what else do you have to offer them right then? If you work with that other teacher, you realize you have the same target audience. And if you collaborate, if you work together, you can double your audience by cross-marketing instead of worrying about being um, in this tiny little funnel of a canyon that's only yours. You can right. open it up into a giant valley and share all of your audience. Well, students love to learn. So they're going to take multiple classes, you know, and exactly abundance. I love it. That's like my favorite word. So, okay. Also, before um, we, we head out, I noticed that in an article that I read from you, I can't remember even where I saw it, but that you have Ehlers Danlos. And mm. um, I have had a previous podcast where I talked about working with uh, illness or that kind of a thing. Um, and I'm intrigued about this because my twin sister has Ehlers Danlos and my older sister has that. So can you speak to us a little bit about what that is and what that looks like for you as a sure. teacher? Yeah. So Ehlers Danlos syndrome, EDS, is a, a genetic condition where your body doesn't know how to make collagen correctly. So think of all the parts of your body. We're talking brain synapses, cornea, your entire GI tract, um, your mitral valve in your heart, your tendons, your ligaments. They're all made of collagen and none of them work correctly. <laughs> and um, the most common form, they don't know what its genetic marker is. There's like 15 others that do have a genetic marker. But the most common is hypermobility. So you know, when you're a kid and you can put your legs up behind your neck and and bend your fingers all different ways, um, that's that's one of the markers. Stretchy, soft skin is one of the markers. I did not know I had it until about six or seven years ago um, when my, you know, like for the first time in my life, I was in really, really good physical condition. I was going to the gym all the time. And then all of a sudden, for no reason, um, I got um, plantar fasciitis in both feet and Achilles tendinosis in both ankles all at the same time. And I'm going to physical therapy and doing all the things for like months and they're not getting better. Um, I got it to the point where I could manage it, but it would keep happening. And um, it took a number of years to finally stumble upon and figure out that this might be what's causing it. And... Um, and then there were like 20 other small little things mm -hmm. <laughs> that random. <clicked>. Yep. <laughs> there was like, oh my gosh, they're all related. Like depression and ADD are brain things that happen all the time. Um, my daughter has POTS, 
yeah. postural orth- orthopedic tachycardia syndrome, just really low blood pressure, right? Um, it, uh, my sister has celiac and a whole bunch of other things that are also comorbid with EDS. So I finally got officially diagnosed just this year, although we've known that that's what it was for four or five years. It's really, really hard to find anybody who can actually diagnose it. Um, And for me, in practical terms, I am extremely lucky that I'm as functional as I am. But there are things, this is actually the very first year that, um, that the that it's impacting my functionality as far as teaching and traveling. Um, I have found that when I'm traveling, I need to be really careful what I eat Mm -hmm. because my GI system doesn't work very well. And if I'm not eating the right things, I get sick. And I I dealt with that last week because we didn't have any choices for Mm. what to eat. Um, And I didn't realize it until like, the day and there's no way to get vegetables. <laughs> like they didn't believe in vegetables. I loved where I taught. I loved the people. I was so sick <laughs> because of the food and I had to pretend I wasn't. Um, and that's troublesome. And, um, and then my shoulders and my feet and my knees and my hips, I never know which joint or which tendon is going to be hurting which day. So when I teach surface design, I ship four boxes of supplies ahead of time. I have two 50-pound suitcases full of paint and carving tools and really heavy stuff. And um, and I've hurt myself lifting those. And yeah. I used to be really strong. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I used to, when I travel, take a day and go hiking. But now if I head out and I'm a couple miles out and one of my feet give out, you know, I'm I can't trust myself to do that anymore. So managing it as things, they're not going to get better. (laughs) So moving over more into virtual teaching is a huge accessibility thing. It's, It's So online teaching is huge for people who can't get out or travel or teach or have health issues and for students as well, especially in the quilt world. There are so many people who have hearing or sight issues who can't travel at night, who have health issues that kind of keep them in. And if a quilt guild is able to um, have hybrid meetings where they zoom out their people or where they bring in a remote teacher, or if they have Zoom workshops where everybody's at home, nobody has to pack their machine. Nobody has to travel at night. Everybody can have a front row seat. Everybody can turn up their volume at home as loud as they want so they can hear everything, right? It's a it's a huge advantage for accessibility to be able to teach online. So that's kind of where I'm going. I'm not going to give up the traveling. I might have to give up the surface design classes because um, those are just... A couple of them, I might have to simplify them because a couple of them are just physically really, really taxing. The design classes are super easy. I love them and, and they're super fun, um, but they're also scary for most quilters, right? Oh, really? they're like, <laughs> yeah, well, they are. They're like, we do, I, I teach them a little about 
about sketching and drawing and, and designing abstract designs to people who have like never not followed a pattern before. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, we should so, all try that. It's good to stretch out of our comfort zones a bit. Oh, and they're a party. I tell my people, I don't teach anything above kindergarten level, which is all about <laughs> recess and playtime and snacks and naps. Right? Sign me so, up. <laughs> yep. We are just, it's a party in my classes, but it's, um, as a teacher, you have to be able to, to get them in that mindset. You have to my people are always really uncomfortable for about the first half hour. And I warn them that, that it's going to be like that. And then you have to break them out of the anxiety and you have to just like, I tell them we're going to make bad art for six hours today. No <laughs> expectations. We're going to make a huge mess and it's going to be so much fun. And that's how we're going to learn the most. Right? That does sound fun. It's that, you know, sign sign me up, really. We all need <laughs> that, to that freedom to just play. And Absolutely. I love it. So for our listeners who want to learn more about either the Global Quilt Connection or Academy for Virtual Teaching, where can they go to find more about that? GlobalQuiltConnection.com or AcademyForVirtualTeaching.com. We also have a, a short URL, which is A4VT.com. Perfect. And then for you personally, if they want to go check out you and what you do, where can they find you? Lyric Kinnard with one N dot com. Will you spell that for us just so we... Mm -hmm. Lyric, L-Y-R-I-C Kinnard, K-I-N-A-R-D. Okay. And our listeners can't see this, but you're doing sign language. How do you know sign language? Oh, just the letters. Okay. <laughs> just my name. <laughs> I, know, I know very... I know as much... So what's really fun about traveling around the world, and I got into quilt teaching partly because I have longed to travel my whole life, and this is the way I get to make it happen, <laughs> and I get paid to do it, and I get to travel and meet people the whole time, True. which is the best way, because I want to meet the people. Um, but wherever I go, whatever language is there, I learn how to count, I learn the the thank you, please, polite greeting kind of words <laughs> and the important phrases, right? So that's about how much sign language I know as well. And also it's one of those ADD things. Like if I spell it with my hands, <laughs> I can spell my own name right, <laughs> which yes. doesn't always happen when I'm just talking. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you so much on that. <laughs> right. So where are you located? I noticed you said A to Z. So are you in America? <laughs> yeah. okay. I've, I've spent a lot of time talking to, to Kiwis and Aussies and and I don't know why that slipped out, but that's, that's, right. that's what they said. Um, no, I'm in, I'm right next to Raleigh. I'm in Cary, North oh, Carolina. Okay, nice. I've never been, but I'm dying to go to North Carolina, which I think Quilt Con next year is. In. Yes, you're in my yeah. hometown. If you come, like I applied. So this will make everybody feel good, right? I've been teaching for decades and I applied and I'm like a cheap teacher for them to hire because they wouldn't have to pay for travel or lodging, right? And I, I didn't get hired. Which is fine because now I'm going to um, take all my friends that are coming to my hometown <laughs> and I'm going to bring them over to my house for a barbecue. So. I love that. So you're invited if you're going to be here. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, I was kind of joking, but now that you say no, it. No, <laughs> like I said, the teachers are my favorite people on the planet. I agree. All right. Well, then maybe I, I'll have to come then. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This was a pleasure to chat with you. Thanks so much, Lyric. Thank you for having me. 
Lyric, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. It was just lovely to chat with you. And as you know, I am a huge advocate of lifting others. You know, a rising tide lifts all boats. And especially when it comes to teaching, because I mean, I've mentioned this before, a lot of us were great at our skill, but the teaching is very new to us, whether it's in what we're teaching, how we're teaching, the actual mechanics of it, you know, what kind of equipment should I use? What platform? What do you charge for this? All of those kinds of questions. What an amazing resource. So thank you so much for providing this and for being a guest on the podcast to talk about it. Absolutely loved it. And thank you listeners for being here on the Craft to Career podcast. I will be back next Friday with a brand new episode. Until then, have a wonderful week. Take care. Take care.